Hey, Philly, are you doom scrolling? Well, cut it out. There's a better way to get your news. Philadelphia's local news podcast is called The John Cast. Check out The John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. President Joe Biden will deliver his State of the Union address on Tuesday night. What should we expect to hear? How much has the message changed given the Russian invasion of Ukraine? How much impact does the State of the Union actually have? Has it always been a speech? For answers to these questions and more, we caught up with Dr. Courtney Michelle Smith. She is a professor and chair of the History and Political Science Department at Cabrini University. So I would like to start kind of with a little bit of history of the State of the Union. Uh, That wasn't, we know it now as a primetime speech that has a lot of buildup. Hasn't always been the case, correct? Correct. It's the State of the Union is mandated in section, in Article 3, or excuse me, Article 2, Section 3 of the Constitution, where it says he shall from time to time to give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as, as he shall deem necessary and expedient. Doesn't say that the president has to actually make a speech. And starting with Thomas Jefferson and extending into the 20th century, State of the Union addresses were delivered by hand. They were delivered and entered into the congressional record. And it wasn't really until early 20th century with a president like Woodrow Wilson who delivered this speech. And now with the advent of television, it became a televised address. And, and in our modern era where we have such a focus on television and celebrity in politics, it is now a prime time event. And it's something where the, the broad the news broadcast will be there. The the networks will be broadcasting it. There is going to be at least one response to it. I think there's an official Republican response, and then there's other responses to it as well. So it definitely has taken on some importance and some spectacle that goes beyond that short little piece in Article 2, Section 3. Generically, regardless of the circumstances at the time it's given and the president who is giving it, how would you describe a state of the union. Is it an update? Is it aspirational? Is it kind of a flag in the ground where the president is? Is it a little bit of everything? How would you describe it? I would say it's a little, it's a little bit of everything in election years. It's a rally. It's like the, it's like a rally almost and it's setting an agenda for what either the president will be campaigning on for reelection or what the person or what their party will be campaigning on. If this is a second term president and they're term limited, it's a party way to, to really show off the accomplishments to try to set a narrative agenda as much as it is a legislative agenda, because many things are many of a policies kind of grand policies are hard to get through Congress today. So it's a bit of a part, it's a bit of a rally. It's a bit of a shot in the arm. It's a bit of a jolt. It is a flag planning ceremony. This is what I believe it's, it's part of the, the president trying to use the bully pulpit to get Congress to go along with their agenda. So it's, it's a little bit of everything in today's world. And I think in some recent years, like the last one that Trump gave, it was almost like a spectacle, like a halftime 
halftime spectacle with just various people being highlighted in the crowd, a soldier coming back from, from fighting overseas and seeing his family for the first time. So it could take on many different, many different dimensions, especially when it's on television. Do state of the unions still pack the rhetorical punch that they did say 50 60 years ago and i asked that because of the 24-hour news cycle if not a quicker news cycle social media more than the the three networks do they still kind of have the gravitas overall or the effect i should say on the national discourse or like a lot of things in our society, has that been diluted maybe through no fault of the president himself, but just kind of how we take in media and our society? I think whatever kind of impact a State of the Union address has, it's probably about 24 hours because we do have such a quick news cycle. And uh, two years ago, roughly two years ago, when President Trump gave his last State of the Union address. His State of the Union address was very quickly taken off the news cycle by the fact that we had an ongoing presidential election. And then there was this thing buzzing in the background called COVID or coronavirus. And that, and I think much of what he said in his State of the Union address from two years ago has largely been forgotten. I know Biden didn't give what was officially a State of the Union address, but he did give an address to a joint session of Congress, but much a smaller and distance last year. But I can't recall anything he said this year because of rapid changes happening in COVID protocols. It seems like they're they're going away and miss. I think in some parts of the country, they're going away possibly permanently. In other parts of the country, they're going away for now. That's part of the news cycle that's very rapid. And then of course, that ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine, that can change at a moment's notice. And so I think that whatever happens there will be the thing that dominates the news cycle. It's it, That war has overshadowed the fact that on Friday, Biden nominated somebody to the Supreme Court, the first Black woman, Justice Justice Jackson to be the first black woman on the Supreme Court. So it's it's something where it's just so rapid that people forget what Biden says. And I think Biden is also hurt by the fact that unlike some of his predecessors, he's not a great orator. He he kind he occasionally gives a good speech, but he doesn't have that oratory power that, say, a Bill Clinton had, a Times George W. Bush had, a Barack Obama had it, and then Trump is just Trump. Nobody else can be him. Biden is he doesn't quite have that kind of oratorical gravitas, so it's going to be difficult, I think, for for him to make a big impression past a twenty four hour news cycle. Are there any State of the Unions that have stood out to you from a historic standpoint or any that you've watched? Like, if are there any moments that really kind of resonate to you that are, you know, would be at the top of the list? It's hard because you get State of the Union addresses mixed up with other addresses that presidents make. And so it's not that this is the one time of the year when a president makes a bold proclamation. Speaking of war and foreign policy, back in January of 1918, Woodrow Wilson devoted a part of his annual message to Congress to his 14 points. And while 
what he said as part of his speech may have been lost and his oratorical style may not be what we expect today. There's no doubt that those 14 points shaped American foreign policy for the rest of the 20th century and even into the 21st century. Other presidents have made important speeches like um, FDR's great arsenal of democracy, Fireside Chad, after he secured a third term as president. Um, LBJ saying we shall overcome when calling for a voting rights amendment. There are other people saying we're going to put a man on the moon. Now you have JFK, we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. So presidents just, again, have have uh, many different outlets now for delivering speeches. And so some of their State of the Union addresses are overshadowed by other important addresses that they have in in their just in their regular time in office. And I'm curious because we talk about the news cycle and stuff like that. Do State of the Unions, do they have maybe more effect on overseas audiences because maybe I mean, not that they don't, but they don't get U.S. news 24 hours. They don't hear Joe Biden constantly. Does it resonate more with maybe other with, uh, you know, people in other countries, authorities in other countries, governments in other countries than it does maybe internally in the U.S.? Possibly because presidents have more discretion in foreign affairs to operate on their own than they do in domestic affairs. And if, say, for example, Joe Biden tomorrow night says something about Ukraine and about maybe pledging more weapons there or says something about NATO in in Article 5 or says something about the the NATO members that are either bordering or adjacent to, to, uh, to the Ukraine, I think they're that could something that could really resonate overseas. I'm sure Vladimir Putin will be, if not listening live um, because of the time difference, I'm sure he'll know what was said because he seems to be picking up on words and actions to justify this invasion of Ukraine. So I think perhaps overseas, yes, it can because presidents have more discretion to act. Now, just as it is, though, in domestic affairs, a president can say something overseas and it could just be something where they're planning a rhetorical flag or they're making a bold statement or a gesture. And then the follow through is hard, if not impossible. So let's kind of zero in. And you've kind of referenced this throughout the discussion on this address from President Biden. What do you expect some of the focuses to be? I think obviously the situation with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, But what else do you think we could hear a lot of? It's interesting because I can imagine that his speechwriters right now are really scrambling. My guess is prior to last week, they were going to use the State of the Union address to tout the accomplishments of the Biden administration thus far and to set a narrative agenda for the upcoming midterms. And I think to really highlight the fact about things that they see as positives of things of good things that have happened since Joe Biden took the oath of office. Now, he really has to address what is on top of everybody's mind, which is Ukraine and what's happening in Eastern Europe. And that might cause some scrambling because there's only so long that a president should not can. They could talk for a long time, but there's only so long that a president really should deliver the State of the Union address before it just becomes this unfocused mishmash of just words. So he probably has to take some things out that maybe they wanted to emphasize before. 
But he also needs to be very careful about what he says, because if he makes a if he makes a bold statement or if he makes a bold claim, he can't later backtrack on that because that could sow some confusion in Eastern Europe and might give and might give people who are who are directly involved in that conflict the wrong kind of impression. I think he needs to set a tone of acknowledging that many people are still suffering, that the economy isn't great, inflation is bad, and so people are noticing higher prices for things that they're paying for on a daily basis while also trying to set a positive agenda for this is what the Democratic Party can do for you when you go and you vote for it in November and what could happen and what the benefits could come from adding more members of the House and the Senate who are Democrats. At the same time, he does need to make some foreign policy statements about America's leadership role and what's happening because America can't escape the fact that it is playing a leadership role in foreign affairs. I'm sure I, you know, the State of the Union undergoes rewrite after rewrite after rewrite and updates and stuff like that. But given what we've seen with the situation with Russia and Ukraine, which will probably shift from the time we're recording it to the time this comes out, which is not going to be that long. Do you think the speech that they plan to give, let's say February 21st, will really have any look of what we're going to see? at the actual state of the union, just because how that situation has kind of upended almost everything. I, I would not want to be one of his speech writers right now. <laughs> that, I, that would be a, a very unpleasant job because you have to project ahead. What is the state of the world going to be at 9 PM on Tuesday night? My, my guess is that they probably can't scrap the whole thing, but that it probably is taking on a slightly different tone, that it's not simply it's not simply Eastern Europe where the situation has changed quite dramatically over the past week. It's also here at home with the dropping of COVID restrictions and, and almost every part of the country seems to be moving away from mass mandates, even for, even for school-aged children, some of whom are younger than five and may not and don't have access yet to to vaccines. So that's a change because uh, that's something where it's it's very different than I think the message that he had been sending up to this point where he's very careful about wearing a mask when he's in public, even when he's outside. And at the event on, on Friday, when they introduced the new person who is nominated to the Supreme Court, he was masked, she was masked, and the vice president was masked as well. But come Tuesday, those masks are coming off. And no and masks are now optional in the state of in the in um in Congress for being there in person for the State of the Union, so those measures are disappearing, and so that's probably that might be a different message than the one that he had possibly planned to send as you know as soon as just a week ago. But definitely, what's happening in Ukraine seems to change day to day. Is it was Kiev going to be under siege tomorrow night? Is Kiev going to be facing more brutal attacks tomorrow night as he's delivering this address? What what that is and trying to game that out ahead of time for the speech, I can imagine is very difficult. And so I can imagine that the overall tone of the address is probably different than what than what it would have been had he delivered it, say, last Tuesday or the Tuesday before. We will have more of our conversation with Dr. Courtney Michelle Smith of Cabrini University right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth.
I'm Matt Leon, and it's time to continue our conversation with Dr. Courtney Michelle Smith of Cabrini University here on KYW News Radio In Depth. There are so many really, really big things happening now. You know, when the pandemic, it's still going, but as you mentioned, cases are falling and we're seeing a lot of things, but it's still a pandemic and it's still kind of, you know, all always present. Obviously, Russia, Ukraine. Obviously, a Supreme Court justice being nominated 72 hours prior to this speech. Do you have to be careful that you don't introduce anything that steps on your own big things that you're trying to deal with? Like, do you think the president has to be kind of restrained just because there's only so much bandwidth and you don't want to put out something that is not related to any of these things, that's just not going to get the attention and it could land with a thud and maybe not get the the follow-up that it deserves just because there's so much on the plate right now. Yeah, I do think that's, I think that's a real danger because presidents, especially again in a midterm year, may want to be bold and want to and want to make some bold statements. But there's also the realistic thing here that there's a tie in the Senate. So there's very, it's very difficult to get any legislation through and in foreign affairs, it's great to praise the Ukrainians so far who have really pushed back against the Russian invasion, but also note that they're facing still some very daunting odds. And so you have to, again, be very careful there because you don't know what the future will bring in Eastern Europe and what may be the change, a very changing situation on the ground. So yeah, you can't, can't just throw every big idea you have out there. I think there needs to be a very focused, disciplined message narrative that Joe Biden can set on Tuesday night. It won't please everybody, not even within his own party, but it's something that has deliverables in it that can then become the theme of every Democratic campaign, primary campaigns, general election campaigns heading into the midterms. And you mentioned earlier, we'll see a Republican response. The party out of power always has a response. Um, and it seems to me, regardless of who's giving it, regardless of what party gives it, these do not resonate one one hundredth of what the state of the union does. It seems like there is only a downside if there's some sort of a gaffe or we remember like Marco Rubio with the drink, something silly like that. Um, am I wrong here? Am I not giving them enough? credit or is really the the best case scenario for the out of party response to this is for it to not be remembered probably to not be remembered because you can again you and I could probably sit down and figure out between the two of us what the republican response is going to be it's and and the and the response in some ways is forgettable because it's there are again what's memorable about it, unfortunately are the gaffes are Marco Rubio drinking water in the middle of his address right there on camera because he, you know, because he just, he, he was thirsty and he had to do it. And I, I think it's kind of a thankless task because nothing can stop the pageantry of being the president of the United States, being in Congress, having the vice president over one shoulder and the speaker of the house over the other shoulder, have a audience of people standing up and cheering constantly. Nothing can beat that pageantry. So the people who deliver the response largely do have a thankless task. And maybe you get your name in the news for a little bit, but eventually people 
forget about you if you delivered a good speech. They remember you if you if you screwed up in some way. And you mentioned the the applause. And it's interesting. That's always pretty partisan. You know, mm-hmm. Democrats rise for things they like. With the situation with Russia and Ukraine, I mean, I by no means want to say that we're going to have everybody come together. But could we have some more moments of universal uh, applause and universal acceptance just because while the U.S. isn't directly involved in this war, it's an incredibly important foreign policy situation. And even the most partisan of partisans might be able to put the that aside for a bit and acknowledge some things. Sure. Especially if it's a statement like we stand with the people of Ukraine, I could see there being everyone in the room standing up and cheering, not the Supreme Court justices, but everyone in the room, the elected officials standing up and cheering for that. I think sometimes if there is a special guest in the first lady's box, they there's people stand up and cheer for that person as well, because that usually isn't a partisan a partisan thing. So I do think that there is the potential for that um, tomorrow night for there to be Republicans who wouldn't normally stand up and cheer something that President Biden says, standing up for that because they they support the they support the message behind it and they want to show unity at this time of crisis in Eastern Europe. But for the domestic things, I bet it's just going to be one side of the room standing up. And one of the interesting things about State of the Union is the idea that I don't know if people, a lot of people know this, if you've watched shows like the West Wing, you do, but one member of the cabinet doesn't attend because of God forbid, there's a catastrophic attack. You've got everybody in one spot and you, for continuity of government purposes, you have to keep one person, uh, fact is there, do you notice there any, is it just a random selection that the president chooses? Does the president even make that choice or is there a, a committee that decides it or anything like that? I I don't know how that works. It might be something unique president to president. Um, maybe they just, <laughs> they draw numbers. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's, it seems something that's just completely at random and it usually is someone who's kind of lower, lower in the food chain, so to speak, in terms of cabinet officials, like the big people who, uh, who who we all know will be there, but maybe one of the other cabinet officials will be the designated survivor. Maybe it'll be Buttigieg because they just had two kids. And so maybe it's like, oh, daddy duty tonight for some reason. But for the most part, people with names like that, the people who are easily recognizable do want to put in an appearance at the State of the Union. I also think it's interesting watching the people as the president comes in who tries to shake, who really pushing on the aisles and try to shake his hand or get a, a selfie with him. It'll be interesting to see if that happens tomorrow night. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.